You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Second down and two, the handoff to Penny. At the 15, at the 10, at the 5. He's in. Touchdown, Seahawks. Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. First and 10 at the Seattle 40. Play fake Stafford. Going to stop, going to look. Gets hit, goes down. Back in midfield. Getting to him in the backfield is Daryl Taylor. Presented by Delta, the official airline of the Seahawks. Now, here's your host, Jen Mueller. It is another happy week here on the Seahawks Insiders Podcast because we are talking about a Seahawks win. Jen Mueller alongside John Boyle from Seahawks.com. And John Boyle, when you look at the standings and you look at the records, Seattle is the only team in the NFC West with a winning record. We all saw this coming, right? Obviously. I mean, this is how everyone in, around at the NFL drew this up. Seahawks alone in first place seven weeks into the season. No, it's, I mean, look, I think those of us who've been around the team had a little more confidence than some of the outside world. We weren't buying these, you know, doom and gloom predictions, but would I have predict, predicted solo first place seven weeks in? Probably not. Cause I thought this division across the board was going to be a little better. Well, and you know what? They're saying the same thing about the Giants. Nobody expected the Giants yeah. to be where they are right now. And the Giants are getting a little irritated of this storyline that they are kind of the underdogs, that they are, you know, just the feel-good story. And, and I get it, but it's still there. Like, this is a team. When you look at this matchup, I'm pretty sure that this is the only game coming up on Sunday with both teams having winning records. It is. That's another one of those. No one would have predicted this. If you if you laid a schedule out preseason of week eight and showed everybody all the games and said who's the one matchup of winning teams, I don't think anybody would have circled this one. But yeah, look, I get it. I mean, a expectations weren't very high about the Giants coming in. They had won four games last year, changed coaches, changed GMs, and then you look at how they've been winning games. I think that plays a big role in it too. They've they've trailed in a ton of games. They've had to come back. They've had to hold off comebacks. So it's like. Every win's eight points or left. I think multiple wins have been, you know, four points or fewer. So when you're not winning convincing and people weren't buying you to begin with, you're not going to convince a lot of people yet. Well, and you are winning late in games. There have been five second half comebacks for the Giants. Four of those have been in the fourth quarter. Daniel Jones, the quarterback, has been excellent at leading those charges. But you're right. They're winning close games and they suffered a pile of injuries in the last couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. Last Last week, a couple of offensive linemen suffered injuries. You lose a tight end. So they are kind of teetering on that edge. And look, John, you and I have both covered Seahawks teams that have felt like that too, right? Just because you're winning close games does not mean that you can't um, turn this into something that is long-term sustainable. But right now, when you look at those numbers, I see opportunity for the Seahawks, especially given the fact that they're coming off of, I think what you and I would both agree, is their most complete effort. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've talked about, you know, you look at their wins so far this season before the Chargers game. I almost said San Diego still. <laughs> I got to get over that. Um, they won two low scoring games. You know, they scored fewer than 20 points in both their season opening win against Denver and against the Cardinals, but played great defense. They won a total shootout in Detroit playing great offense. This past game was the first time you're like, OK, that's what it looks like when the offense is humming and the defense is doing their thing. And, oh, by the way, special teams finally avoided giving away a touchdown. It wasn't a perfect game on special teams. They had a couple penalties, but much better in that phase of the game. So, yeah, you you started to see, I mean, that's a good team in L.A. They went and beat on the road, and, you know, it wasn't a total blowout, but they were felt pretty 
comfortably in control that whole game after turning the ball over on the opening drive, which is never how you want to start on the road. So a lot to love about that performance. Well, they turn the ball over on the opening drive. That's the downside. The upside is the Chargers first drive. Seattle comes up with a big stop on fourth down. And I think that that kind of helps to turn the tide and set the, the tone on that one because it could have gone one direction. It went the other direction. As a result, John, the Chargers were never able to establish the run you looked at that game. You thought Austin Eckler was going to pile up a whole bunch of yards. They had 53 total rushing yards in that game. Yeah, I mean, that was a huge part of their defensive struggles in the previous games was they weren't stopping the run. Then you go to the Arizona game when we started to see the defense shift. And yeah, Kyler Murray had that huge run early, which was a big part of his 100-yard game. But when you look at the running backs in Arizona, they didn't get much going at all. And then you hold Eckler in check last week. That's, you know, it, it sounds cliche, but that's always how it starts. If you stop the run, now you're past, we've seen the pass rush get going these last couple of weeks. You put teams in more obvious passing situations on third down. And look, we'll get into this more, but they better be good at stopping the run and be really strong in that phase this week because, as Pete Carroll said, this is as tough as it's going to get. Well, I tell you what, instead of putting that conversation off, I think that is the one that we are going to need to attack head on, much like the Seahawks. And when you look at the Giants team, absolutely, the strength of that offense is running the ball, and they do it in a pretty unique way. You know me, I, I respect the heck out of that that, that, that this is the way they've chosen to play. And it doesn't, doesn't mean that they don't throw the football. They throw the football plenty. But that that demonstrates the commitment when they go to it when they need it at the end of the game and they have it you know and they've won games that way um so you know i, I think it's a great way to play the game and as they're still developing a, a younger quarterback I mean, he's he's he'd been around but with them he's new he's a rookie with the coaching staff and all that so as they develop his, what he can do um i, I think it's they're doing a, a really in championship fashion it's really cool I don't know if you saw this going around on Twitter. I, I think I want to give credit. I think it was Dan Orlovsky from ESPN did a cut up and they ran eight straight plays on one drive that just basically the same power concept, extra lineman, pulling guard, just ran basically the same play eight straight times and getting big chunks of yards. You know, you, you let the quarterback keep it once or twice, hand it to one of the best running backs in the NFL and Barkley and they're one of these teams that like, look, we're just going to come run it at you till you prove you can stop it. And not a lot of teams have been able to do that, which is a big reason why they're six and one. Well, and I think that that was the drive in the fourth quarter against Jacksonville last week. Yeah. And the Jags knew what they were going to do. Yeah. Stopping that becomes the problem. And it kind of goes back to some of those Marshawn Lynch days or what we've seen from the Seahawks offense in the last couple of weeks. You know what's coming. You are so physically tired from being on the field. You cannot stop them. Yeah, that's got to be about the most maddening thing for a defense in football is when you line up and you know they're going to come try to run it at you and then they just do it anyway. So we've seen the Seahawks do that to teams recently and it's a lot of fun when you're the ones doing it, but it's tough on the defense. And yeah, this is going to be a great test for a run defense that, again, has shown a lot of improvement, but this is you know as, as tough as it gets. Well, and you've got a running back with a very different style. Last week, if you're preparing for Austin Eckler, you know that he's kind of the do-it-all back. Now, I will point out that Saquon Barkley, much like Eckler, not only leads his team in rushing yards, but leads his team in reception. So that's the similarity. The difference is Saquon is much more of a downhill runner, and that is going to be much different. I was talking to Jordan Brooks about that this week. We'll get to that conversation in just just a minute, but first, Pete Carroll on what to expect with that Giants back. 
He has everything, you know, he's got power and he's got speed and he's got tremendous elusiveness and, and uh, his tackle breaking ability is, you know, as, as good as anybody that plays the game. And so he, he poses as the ultimate threat, a really good catcher, you know, coming out of the backfield. Um, I think he's their leading receiver as well. And uh, so um, they're using him in every way that they can and it makes it really difficult. He's got real style, he's got real style about him, you know, he's got great flexibility and and uh, his, his lateral movement is tremendous and his burst is great so it's, it's just, this is as hard as it gets we've had conversations about you know the value of running backs and some of the people who want to say you don't draft them early there are guys though who are just different and Barkley who is a former top what number number two overall pick I believe I mean when he's right which he hasn't really been fully healthy since his rookie year and now that he is it's just different. I mean, you watch him run, you watch him cut, accelerate. And, you know, I'm not saying he's the same player, but Kenneth Walker's got all of that too, of like, he's just physically a different beast than even, you know, a good, really good running back like Austin Eckler, who we saw last week, very talented player, done a lot of great things, but just doesn't have that same insane burst acceleration, cut back ability. And when you've combined that with some really cool blocking concepts, some of the, just the way they do it, yeah, I, I mean, it's just such an obvious storyline this week, but it's hard not to look at that Giants run game and think, wow, this is going to be tough. Okay, but also, I love that you mentioned Walker in that same conversation because here's some numbers. Saquon, second in the league when it comes to rushing yards with 726. By the way, his yards from scrimmage of 906, I believe the number is, that's the most in the NFL. But through this part of the season, with Kenneth Walker III having two starts, he's at 401 yards. Or, I'm sorry. Yeah. I shorted him 10 yards. He's at 411 yards. Like, you start talking about that, that is not a flash in the pan when it comes no. to Walker when you're comparing him to Saquon and some of that explosiveness. Here's the conversation that I had with Jordan Brooks this week when he talked about, you know, the defense has really tightened up. Right. We have seen that. But this is going to be the real test. Right. This, he said, is going to tell us if we are truly on the right track or not because of the way that the last two weeks have played out. And look, the Cardinals got their yards. Kyler Murray got his yards. But that was a very different feeling game than if you give the Giants an opportunity to establish that run from the beginning. And, John, it brings to the conversation, the overall running philosophy. Here's some numbers, and I, I pulled this from one of the Giants uh, kind of writers and, and somebody that follows the Giants closely. 28th in the league in time between offensive plays at just over 28 seconds. So what this means, and they are also fifth in the league in time of possession at 31 minutes a game. So what they are looking at in New York, and I'm going to be honest, I have not watched enough of the Giants games to know how methodical, but you can sense this when you're running the ball. They control time of possession. They are very methodical. They are very deliberate. They are very slow in their style of play. Can the Seahawks force them to play faster? And it gets us to the conversation of the value of the run and what Pete Carroll has preached for years and what other people might not have found value in for years. Yeah, I mean, was, look, Pete Carroll's never wavered in the idea that he wants to be balanced. He wants to be able to run the ball. And that doesn't mean run it 50 times a game, but it means to have that toughness, that ability to run it when you need it. And, we, you know, they haven't always played this way. They've been different. But we've seen those Seahawks teams do that where it's we're going to shorten the game. We like our ability to finish in the fourth quarter, you know, make it a little ugly. And, you know, we're not hurrying up and running hurry up offense. 
control the time of possession. You don't need to run a ton of plays and score just enough points. And that's exactly what the Giants have been doing. And that's why I think Pete Carroll, you know, sees a lot in this Giants team. He likes, he likes that formula. They've got an explosive enough offense this year, the Seahawks do, that they don't necessarily need to play that way because Geno Smith is playing out of his mind and the whole offense is playing well. But that that can work for you when you maybe aren't as complete of a team across the board. Well, and before we get to the conversation about Geno Smith, because Giants fans think of him very differently than Seahawks fans do based on his history in New York. But I want to go back to one of the pieces on defense that we might not talk about enough when it comes to he is a factor in stopping the run on Sunday. He was a factor everywhere. I have no idea how Ryan Neal did it because I was standing way too close to him on the sidelines when he came over to the trash can after one of his big plays, but man, is he a difference maker out there? Yeah. I mean, he's been great. He's the guy that, you know, unfortunately was injured throughout most of camp, missed the preseason. And that cost him a chance really to compete for that starting job to replace an injured Jamal Adams, Josh Jones had a great camp. And, you know, once Neil got healthy, he started pushing for that job, took it eventually and played arguably his best game as a Seahawks. He's done some really good things in past years, but man, he was all over, you know, they had the interception, four pass breakups, excuse me, four pass breakups, most by a Seahawks player since 2015, uh, just did a little bit of everything. He was in on that first fourth down stop with about half the defense on that play. So, yeah, just a lot of great things. And as it turned out, as you said, was quite sick, needed an IV. And you always love when you're around a player and then you find out later that, oh, he was sick as a dog. And like, oh, great. I'm really glad I stood next to him in the locker room. <laughs> I wasn't going that far. I mean, he was at the podium, but again, you don't really want to be. Yeah. Also, the fans making fun of somebody heaving into a trash can. I'm not sure that that's the moment I would choose. Just I'm just yeah, going to say, you know, you got if you're a I fan, just, you look for for everything you can attack, I guess. I, I guess so. But you know what? There is a conversation emerging about depth in the secondary and where the Seahawks go, because Trey Brown has returned to practice. We have not seen him on the field since he injured his knee in a game early last season. But there's a chance that by the time we get to the midway points, he could be pushing for a little time. I've watched him work out in his, you know, his, uh, his rehab work, and he's been flying around. He, he's ready to go, and he's been chomping at it for a couple of weeks now, but they really wanted to make sure. And we haven't seen him on the field yet. He was in walkthrough today. I'm so excited to see him back out here. Remember, when he left, he was playing darn good football. He had just started to make his impression about how he was really consistent and he was tough. Uh, he was competitive on the ball. He, he was really consistent was the part that I liked about him for a young guy. And he kept showing it in practice, very much like, like uh, Michael Jackson has done. And we might just practice beautifully, played great in preseason, just kept stepping, you know, at doing things right. Well, that's what, what Trey was doing, too. And, and then he got hurt, you know, just suddenly. And so... Um, I'm just, in my mind, I'm picking up where we left off and away we go and let him start battling and see where he fits in with the, with the competition. He'll make us better for sure. And I just hope he can stay healthy and stay out there. I mean, it works out for him. As Pete alluded to there, like, this is a guy that was, you know, kind of kind of what Tariq Woolen or Kobe Bryant is this year. He was doing this last year where he came back. He might have been starting week one, had he been healthy. He, he had just started competing for a starting spot, you know, getting some reps with the ones in camp had a more minor knee injury, missed some time, got back during the season, took over that starting job, was playing great, and then unfortunately had this knee injury. So he, you know, projects long-term like a guy who could really help this team a lot. The good news is 
you're not going to have to rush it because you really like your cornerback back depth right now. You know, the guys out there are playing really well. You know, Pete Carroll has referred to Sidney Jones a lot as a guy who, you know, can play for them and start for them. He started a bunch of games last year. Um, Artie Burns, when he's healthy, was having a great camp. So you've got the depth there to not rush Trey Brown. But when he is back, I think we're absolutely going to see him push him for a job. So great depth there. And, you know, it's going to be some tough decisions for the coaching staff down the road if everybody's healthy. But, yeah, great to see him back on the practice field. And I do want to correct something that I said. I said pushing for playing time. Towards the midpoint of the season, we're there. We're, we're actually well, you know. like, we're like, you know, six quarters away from being there. So I have completely, yeah, I've completely lost track of time and where we are in the season. So I just wanted to make that correction on that part. Okay. So we need to flip this over, talk a little bit uh, Seahawks offense versus Giants defense. There is going to be room in that running game, John. But before we do that, let's get a word from our presenting sponsor. The best stories aren't the ones you're told. They're the ones you live. Meeting people in person, facing challenges face-to-face, getting out of your hometown and your comfort zone. Delta knows how important it is to see a different point of view from a different point of view. So for those who want their own story to tell, Delta Airlines has a world full of places to start. Delta, the official airline of the Seahawks. I will start off by saying I am so glad the Seahawks are at home this week because we will be playing back-to-back road games. But, John, we miss a trip to New York. Twice. We missed two trips to New we York. We got both this New York year. teams coming here. I couldn't have one of those been there. That's a great road trip. It is a great road trip. I have been to New York a couple of times with other teams this year, and it's probably better for my waistline. Notice how everything comes back to food with me. Food. Well bagels you know. with way too much cream cheese on it. And lots. Yeah, there's that's my favorite. I mean, when you're in the biggest city in the country that has people from all over the world, the great part of that is you have great cuisine from all over the world. So there's oh, a lot I of good, good, all of good eating. Oh, yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Mostly carbs, though. Mostly it's bagels and black and white cookies. Those black, yeah, white cookies, yeah. I try yeah, to bring yeah. a couple back and they may so or you may just not hit, make it. You just hit the, the deli bakery scene hard, huh? Yes. Okay. Yes, which is crazy, <laughs> Like, why would you just go to delis? Because it's the best. And, you know, speaking of carbs, big slices of pizza. Yes. Yes. And so here's the thing. When the Seahawks are not on the road, um, I go for a jog every week before game day. It is part of how I like get into the day. Let me just say last week in New York, you may or may not realize this. There's a lot of hills and stairs. You know what I Mm -hmm. don't like doing on game day? Running hills and stairs. I did it. Game days when I'm at home, that run is a lot less exciting. If I was in New York, I would be like pumped up. I'd go a little further. No chance that's happening but on Sunday. The L- downtown LA is a little hillier than people might think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. My hamstrings were shot before I even got it's to the game. It's good for you, Jen. You know, because I am the athlete that everybody's concerned about on the sideline. Yep. I exactly. understand this. I understand this. Okay. Back to the conversation. We said earlier that the uh, relationship between Giants fans when Geno Smith is a little bit different than the ones the Seahawks fans have because Giants fans probably remember Geno as the quarterback who snapped Eli's record of 210 consecutive games started. Yeah, fun little piece of trivia, I guess. But I, is it yeah, fun? I mean, it's just it's something for us to talk about. It's probably yeah, nothing that they it, want to revisit. I didn't even realize until looking from last week's game to this week's game that Geno Smith faces every one of his former teams this season. So, uh, kind of a kind of a fun little bit of trivia gets to see everybody who previously employed him. 
Um, Wait, do you yeah, did mean, you hear what Quandre said about that this week? By the way, oh, if he was, yeah, well, how do you phrase it? Well, because Gino's kind of downplaying, he's, right? Yeah, he's done he's a great job of that. He's just he's most he's the most consistent version I've ever seen. And I think Quandre said good for him because if it was me, it'd be a full out revenge tour. Yeah, uh, you know, everybody's a little different in how they get motivated. And I, you know, I do like Gino, or yeah, Gino, not Quandre's. I do like Gino's approach to this, just how he's not making a big deal out of his success because he's, you know, he's always believed he was capable of this given the opportunity. And unfortunately, you know, he spent most of his career backing up really accomplished, very durable quarterbacks. So the opportunities just never came. So um, he's always believed in himself. And now we're kind of seeing it come out. And when it comes to the Seahawks offense, it is the most prolific offense the Giants will have faced this year. So all of the defensive numbers you kind of have to take with a grain of salt. But in the last couple of weeks, they are trending that defense the opposite direction from the Seahawks. The Seahawks have consistently seen their numbers and their explosive plays go down. Meanwhile, the Giants have allowed 452 and 402 yards in each the last two weeks, the rushing yards are there. Teams are averaging about 140 rush yards a game. But where do you see the biggest opportunity for the Hawks this week, John? I mean, I think you just touched on it. I, I think if you can keep running the ball like you've been running it, they're they're allowing 5.7 yards per rush to opponents, and that's the highest number in the league. So, you know, the beauty of this Seahawks offense is they've shown the ability to get it done in a lot of ways. They can throw it downfield. They can throw it to the tight ends. I, I really like that going into a game. And this again goes back to the conversation of balances. You don't have to feel like if this one thing isn't going, we're in big trouble. Like if if the Giants load up and stop the run, you feel confident in Geno Smith to throw the ball. If they play a bunch of too high shell and take away the passing game, you're running at them and you're doing really well at that. So if I had to look at it, I think the opportunity first and foremost is to keep running the ball really well with Kenneth Walker. But again, I feel confident in this offense. They can do it in a lot of ways. Well, you might have to do it without DK Metcalf mm-hmm. this week. The news was really good. We are encouraged by that. But also, I think that there is a case to be made for being safe with DK and perhaps not dressing him on Sunday would yeah. be the direction I lean. If it yeah, I mean, me. just me. Pete Carroll's, Pete Carroll is, you know, as we all know, about the most optimistic human being walking this earth. And that includes his approach to injuries. So, if he thinks there's a shot, he's not going to, he's not going to, you know, do anything stupid, but he's not going to um, rule it out ahead of time. He's going to wait and see what happens, but he's also used phrases like keep DK from hurting himself and, you know, take care of it. You know, so they're going to be smart about it. This is way too good of a player. He's a big part of your long-term future. You make sure he's okay. So the fact that he's not practicing yet, the fact that, you know, Pete Carroll's kind of said, well, he wants to play, but I don't know if that's realistic makes me think, Probably we don't see him this week, but again, who knows? DK is, as we all know, is not a normal human being. He's kind of a, well, he's a total physical specimen. So if anyone could probably do it, it's him. But yeah, I just, I think that with the depth this team has, they really like what they saw to some of these receivers filling in. I, I don't think you, you rush it if you don't have to. Well, and that's exactly what I was leading to. When you I was get productivity, you there. are, you teed it up. You put it right there on the tee for me. And when you see what Marquise Goodwin did last week, it's a lot easier to think about being without one of those key pieces because there is a lot of speed and a lot of talent as we saw against the chargers.
I always liked the heck out of him. We were thinking of drafting him way back when um, and, and all that. But uh, Sanjay you know, validated that he's, he's still really, really fast, which he's, he can fly. He, he hasn't lost any speed, I don't think. I mean, he's as fast as anybody we have on the field. And then he, you know, he vouched for him as a teammate and a, and a guy that you know, was dedicated to the little things and the discipline of it and that he would be good with younger players. I mean, every, everything just added up. And, and you know, you... I don't ever want to turn away guys that run that fast, you know, if we can give them a chance. So uh, he's one of the reasons that I say to you when I've said this, you know, that you know, as fast we've ever been, he's one of those guys that, that makes us that way. And so um, if he gets considerable more playing time, we're going to use him. Yeah, you know, Marquise Goodwin's an interesting player. He got to, you know, when the Seahawks signed him, he's obviously, you know, from his time in San Francisco, a guy that a lot of Seahawks fans remember. And I remember having the thought of like, this is an interesting signing. He's he's one of he's that type of veteran player who could legitimately be anything from this team's number three receiver to a guy if he doesn't still have it, doesn't get out of training camp. And then he gets to camp and was consistently just playing incredibly good football, looked as fast as he ever has. And you start thinking, okay, this guy can help the team. He's been the number three receiver all year. The opportunities haven't necessarily been there because you have such a great duo in Metcalf and Lockett, because you've been getting the tight ends really involved. But as we saw last week, when they need him to step up, he is more than capable. That speed still shows up on the field. I, the play that got called back for the offensive pass interference, man, he was flying on that ball. So it's too bad that one didn't work out. But, yeah, I mean, they got a lot of confidence in him. He showed it last week. And, you know, you would love to have DK Metcalf. But if you don't, you still feel really good about the guys you do. He tried to tell me on the field in our walk-off interview that people doubted his speed because, you know, he's getting old. His birthday is next month, and I had to stop and tell him, we are not talking about age. You are yep. just fine. We are not getting into that conversation. The conversation I asked him about, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I asked him about that in training camp about speed, and he's like, you know, I don't feel like I've really lost a step at my age, but the recovery is a heck of a lot harder. So that's he, that he, the, the speed's not as easy as it used to be, but he's still got it. You know what? It really brings me back to the hills and the stairs that I ran. Yeah, it takes a lot longer to recover. This is what Marquise Goodwin and I have in common, which makes me feel good about myself. I mean, two, two elite athletes <laughs> right? at the top of their game, right? Yep. yep. Age can't slow us down, just the recovery time that's going to get you. All right, the conversation that we need to have before we wrap up are the two things that you need to see for a Seahawks win on Sunday. You made fun of me last week, so I am not going first this week. Go right ahead, John. What are the two things you need to see? <laughs> so sorry about that. I mean, I'm just going to start with this seri- the super obvious one, which is keep that Giants running game in check. I just... I. You know, no offense to the Giants, but I don't think if they have to throw it a ton that they're going to be able to beat you. But if they can get that running game going, man, they're dangerous. So let's let's call it fewer than 120 total rushing yards. I don't think you're going to totally shut them down. But I think if you keep them in the low hundreds, you, you look surprised. Is that too many? I, you want? I just, I just I think that that's such a gap between what they're currently averaging. I would love that. And, and actually, I think that that would. That would show a lot of improvement. What are they averaging? One seventy. They're averaging over one seventy. Yeah. Well, and that's why I'm saying you don't you don't expect the Chargers game where you hold them to fifty some yards. But no. Let's keep it no, about. No. I think I could keep them around one hundred twenty. You're in pretty good shape. And then you know, as much as we love the defense taking the ball away, I don't like the offense giving it up like we saw twice last week. Might have been some pass interference on one of those, but either way, we don't need turnovers. So let's uh, have a turnover-free game at home. <laughs> 
Okay, I was going to say the Seahawks defense needs to force two fumbles because the Giants really do a pretty good job of taking care of the ball and there's not going to be a whole lot of interceptions or, or opportunities for those types of takeaways just based on the number of pass plays versus run plays. I would like to see two forced fumbles because we've seen the defense be very active in that regard the last couple of weeks. And offensively, I would like to see at least 30 rush attempts for the Seahawks. That's about what we were seeing the last couple of weeks. But if you can do that, it shows that your offense is staying on the field, that you've got a commitment to the run game, and you don't give the Giants a chance to settle into the strength of their offense, which is the run game. So that's what I got this week. I have no notes on that one. Okay. Good job. Great. Thank, thank you. I get a gold since, star. That's how I was so hard on you last that's time. That's right. I get a gold star. We've drawn up a plan for the Seahawks to win. We'll be back next week to see how it all plays out on the Seahawks Insiders Podcast.